46. This should not be hard. It's an open book test today. Let's say our verses together. And you say, ah, I'm not ready. It's not even up on there, and it's not going to be up there because it's right in front of you. So it's Psalm 146, verses 5 and 6. Join with me to say the reference and then the verses. Psalm 146, 5 and 6. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that today uh, we can put our hope our, and find our help in you. We're thankful that there is a, a mighty God in heaven that hears prayer, that meets needs, upon whom we can fully and completely trust. And I pray that this morning our hearts would be stirred about that, that we would um, see the, the wonderful privilege, the great blessing, and the encouragement of these verses and the truth that's found here. So, Lord, touch our hearts with it. Help me to be very clear. And I pray that I would share your word in a way that would be of help and a challenge and encouragement to those who are part of the family of God today. And we will thank you for it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That sounded a little bit strange to begin a message dealing with the subject of hope. Maybe so, but when David introduced or when David talked about this matter of finding help in God, the happy man is the man who finds his help in God. The happy man is the one who hopes in God. He started the song by saying, hallelujah. He ended the song by saying, hallelujah. This is one of what Charles Spurgeon calls the Hallelujah Chorus, or part of the Hallelujah Chorus of the Psalms. The last five Psalms, starting here in Psalm 146 and on through the end of the rest of the book, all start with, praise ye the Lord, or hallelujah. That would be the Hebrew word. It takes the word for God, Jah, Jehovah, shortened version of it. Hallel puts those together, hallelujah, and it means, literally, praise ye the Lord. So the Hallelujah Chorus uh, teaches us that we can put our help and find our help and our hope in God. This is indeed a psalm of praise, but in the psalm of praise, God speaks of trust, of hope, and of help. So if you'd follow along now, I'd like to read the entire psalm, so you get an idea of where these words fall that you've been memorizing. Yeah, you have been memorizing, right? Yes, you have been memorizing. At least I hope you are working and getting those verses down. So follow as I read. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, of in whom there is no help, his breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. 
Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth up them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. But the way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. That kind of sounds like a kid's song, doesn't it? Uh, maybe you were involved in singing that uh, when you were a kid. But really, it's saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Um, so let's look at the psalm today and let's learn from Psalm 146 since we are encouraging throughout this year uh, believers to hope in God. And that's what we find in this psalm. So why does it start with praise? Why does it go then to trust and finding hope and help in God? And why then does it go back to the subject of praise? Well, I hope to share that with you, but we're going to start by saying the, or sharing with you the praise today. The praise, because that's how it starts. Praise ye the Lord. Notice it's a public proclamation. It is a call to praise. It is a public call. All that read this psalm, all that hear this psalm, should be encouraged to praise the Lord. They should be encouraged to do exactly what, it's kind of interesting, all the songs we sang today talk about and encourage us to do if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're part of the family of God. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what a Christian is supposed to do. That's what not just a Christian is supposed to do, though. If you understand this, this was not just a praise only to believers, although believers were certainly being talked, to, talked about to the children of Israel. But actually, it would be called to all men because all men should praise God. He is worthy of praise. And so this call is, a, is if you would, a public proclamation. Praise ye the Lord. Be involved in this matter of praise. It's not just a call to praise, but it's really kind of a command to praise. The word hallelujah is uh, used in this sense and in this place and at the end as well is a very forceful word. We would call it an exclamation. Uh, in fact, probably it'd be better if we had an exclamation point at the end of it. Praise ye the Lord. This is something we're supposed to do. This is something we're supposed to be excited about it. This is something that, that should, if you would, thrill our heart and mind. We have opportunity. We are called upon. We have the privilege of praising the creator of the universe. We have the privilege of, of praising the one who brings hope. We have the, the wonderful blessing of praising the God who is the God of help. We have, we have opportunity to trust the one who is the God of all and Lord of all, and he is certainly worthy of praise. Now, you've heard me say before, because we preached through the Psalms, we took 18 years to preach through, actually more than that, didn't we? Something like that, to preach through the Psalms on Wednesday nights. And uh, as we were studying, we come to this word hallelujah many times throughout the Psalms. So you've heard it before, but, but for the sake of those that maybe haven't, the word uh, hallelujah is uh, really basically two different words. You have Hallel, and then you have Yah, or uh, Jehovah, which stand, is what it stands for. Hallel means literally to shine. And I always like to explain what hallelujah means because it helps us to understand what we're supposed to do when we praise the Lord. 
because uh, if the word literally carries the idea, and it means if we would say, if we would give a definite definition, it would be to shine, then the idea of praise, the idea of this hallelujah or praising the Lord is making God shine. Uh, there's another part of the definition often given when it describes halal, these, the first part of that word, and uh, it means to boast as well. So when you make someone shine, you're in essence boasting on them. You're saying something good about them. Now, look, if you were to do that about yourself, no one would like it. Okay? In fact, it, they'd say, um, you got Trumpitis. I, I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> Maybe because you all know that that's pretty much the way the guy acts, you know? Um, so, uh, well, I actually don't think the term is actually tump Trumpitis, but uh, I think we could. Someone who boasts of themselves is wrong. The boasting in God is a right thing. In fact, I came across, I thought, I came across some great quotes about boasting. The fellow who blows his own horn the loudest is usually in the biggest fog. I thought that was a good one. Nature never intended for us to pat ourselves on the back. If she had, our hinges would be different. Uh, the man that brags he wears the pants at home, chances are his wife tells him which pants to put on. And then finally, noise proves nothing. Often a hen who has merrily laid an egg cackles as if she's laid an asteroid. Uh, you know, everyone knows that boasting of self is wrong. Lifting up other people sometimes can be way overdone in life. But God is worthy of any praise you could give to him. In fact, his acts so far exceed the greatest boasting any man could ever give that, quite honestly, if all of us were involved as God calls us to in this passage, as we ought in the matter of praising God, we could not boast enough of who God is and what he's done. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah is the message God gives to us. The Bible reminds us, and we could take time this morning just going through the Psalms about all the things that God does for us and the things that we find even in this passage. I mean, the Bible reminds us that God daily loadeth us with benefits. He doesn't just give us benefits. He daily loads us with benefits. I love the way that it's worded there. I think that's in Psalm 103. To praise God, to make him shine regularly is nothing less than giving him the credit due for his wonderful deeds on your behalf. And so just as you and I would rightfully praise someone who has done something very kind for us, so we ought be people who praise the Lord. So we have in this passage the praise. It's a public proclamation. But notice if you would in verse 1 and 2, it's a personal proclamation. I, what I love about David is uh, David calls, uh, well, I put it this way. David calls on ye to praise, and then he calls on me to praise. Uh, look, at, look at how you work. Praise ye the Lord. And then notice what he does. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. O oh my soul. Praise the Lord. 
so David not only says, hey, look, you people need to praise the Lord. Everyone needs to praise the Lord. Anyone that is under the, the, the hearing of my voice needs to praise the Lord. He says, I'm going to praise the Lord. So we could call it the ye and me a praise because he turns attention back to himself and he says, this isn't just something I'm going to preach to you people. I'm going to do it myself. This is going to be part of my life. This is going to be part of my practice. It's going to be part of, in fact, my whole being, not just outwardly. I'm not just going to talk about God, but in my heart and in, in my soul, I am going to pre praise the Lord. So he doesn't just preach praise to everyone else. He preached praise to himself, and he was intended to practice what he preached. Look at verse 2. While I live, will I praise the Lord? I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Uh, if you look there carefully, notice he says, while I live, will I? And then in, at, in the middle of verse 2, he says, I will. So twice he makes this firm declaration, forward and backward, and it stresses that he is determined to practice praise just as he said everyone's supposed to do. All right, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and, and for you now, buddy, praise the Lord. And in fact, I want you to know, with all my being, with all my strength, I am going to praise the Lord. Um, I heard an evangelist speaking about getting a ticket for speeding. He was going three miles an hour over the speed limit, um, maybe as a warning. But what was interesting about the whole situation was that um, when he was driving down the road, uh, uh, police officer that ultimately stopped him wasn't in front of him. And the police officer was going three miles an hour over the speed limit. He was simply following the police officer. He followed the police officer for a number of, of miles down this stretch of road because it was just a, a, a highway. Um, I think the speed limit was like 55 or 60 or whatever. And he was going three miles an hour over the speed limit, just like the police officer. When the lights on the police car came on and um, the police car slowed down as he slowed down behind him. And, uh, and so the police officer uh, proceeded to give him a ticket for doing the same thing the police officer had been doing for miles and miles and miles as he followed him. Uh, the evangelist noted the discrepancy. It wasn't disrespectful or anything, but he said, you know, um, I, I, was, I was just following you, and the officer said this, I'm not the standard. And he was right. He isn't the standard. He said, you were breaking the law. Now, the point was made that if um, we often expect, or at least we could make the point, we often expect people, others, to do what we don't do ourselves. Now, I'm not trying to get on officers. Um, I was in a police cruiser once, um, not because I was arrested either. I just want you to know that. Um, but uh, it was when I was in uh, ministry in Logansport, Indiana, years ago. Um, we had a, a state trooper, and he drove down the highway, and he um, and we, the pastor and I happened to be with him. And so he said, watch this. And he went down to, um, and I think on that stretch of highway, is 55 miles an hour uh, on a four lane or whatever. So, so he's going 55 miles an hour. And as he was going 55 miles an hour, traffic started to back up behind him. 
I mean, just just car after car after car, and no one had the no one had the guts to go around him. And he, and he started laughing. He said, he said, I have to basically drive about seventy miles an hour down the highway all the time, or I will block traffic. So I understand that. I get it. I understand that a, a police officer might not be able to even follow that, or he's going to cause all sorts of problems as far as traffic is concerned. And w we saw that firsthand. But the truth of the matter is, and the fact is, that he was just following the officer. And a lot of times, and it's true, um, a lot of times it's easy to preach about something. It's so easy to tell other people to do it, go to the speed list, easy to tell people to do such and such. But when it comes to doing it ourselves, we don't practice it. And that's what I love about this. As you look at it, I love it because the psalmist isn't just saying, hey, you people! Praise God! But he's saying, I need to do this, and I will do it. And notice how he says it. While I live, will I praise the Lord. Every day I live, I, reminding us, by the way, life is short. We only have so much time, and we don't use it to praise God. And then, if you know, he goes a little bit further. He says, I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Now, what, what, does, what does that give us an idea of? Well, it's an interesting choice of words. It indicates he was going to praise God until his last breath. Now, I don't know, know about you, but, you know, it's easy to praise the Lord when, when, you know, the Lord just puts something in your lap. Someone buys your meal for you at a restaurant. You know, it's easy to praise the Lord when, uh, when you got a great deal and the Lord just seemed to open up a door so that you were able to get something you desperately needed. You know, it's, it's, it's something you praise the Lord because you, know, you got a flat tire, but someone stopped on the side of the road and they actually changed it for you. And you're just rejoicing at how God has done good things. But when he says, I'll do it while I have any being, the idea was, it doesn't matter what place I find myself in. It doesn't matter what condition I find myself in. I am going to be dedicated to this task of praising God. So if I'm at the end of my days and I'm in pain and I'm, I am like, I'm, I'm on death's door, I am still going to be praising God. Now, isn't that a great attitude to have? And it's an encouragement to us, and it's also a challenge to us to say, hey, look, I want to be someone who praises God, not just because someone changed my flat this week, not just because someone did something good for me this week, not just because God gave me a great deal at this store, not just because I was able to find this and, and God worked these details out, but I want to be praising the Lord when I got bad news from the doctor. Because he's still worthy of praise. And I, I want to be praising the Lord when, when I got the flu. And I'm really not feeling well at all. And I want to be praising God when, when uh, you know, I didn't get a good deal. And someone took advantage of me. I want to be praising the Lord at all times in my life. Praise God. Ye the Lord. Now notice not just the praise, but notice the practice. And again, I come to this, and this is a song teaching us and urging us to praise. And I've asked myself the question, and, and it really does come to mind. Why then does he start in verse 3 and say, put not your trust in princes? Why would he start to talk about trusting and then in verse 5, say, happy is he that has the God of Jacob for his help, 
whose hope is in the Lord his God. It seems like they're unrelated. Did someone take like one song and another song and like put them together? So we got praise, praise, and in the middle, trust. And the answer is no. It's not a compilation of two songs. So how are these things related? And let me share with you what, I, what I, it seems to be from this passage. That praise is not just done with your lips. But praise is to be done with your life. And, and quite honestly, that seems like it's one of the aspects of praise that a lot of times is forgotten. Yeah. When, when do we praise? By the way, you, you would expect this message in November. Right? And, and I have preached it in November a little bit. Not in years, but I have preached it in November. Because that's Thanksgiving. But this is, this is a song for all times. And in this song, he says, hey, look. I'm going to praise the Lord. As long as I have breath, my voice is still going to be used to sing and honor and praise God because he is worthy. But then he tr turns our attention, he turns his attention back to us, okay, because he was with us, praise you the Lord. Then he was the, the, the ye and me, okay. And then he comes back and he says, look, don't trust in anyone but God. You say, well, again, why would he do that? Because Trusting in God is a way for you to praise God. Do you understand that? Look, as a Christian, it's not just that I say, God's good. It's that I live God is good. And how do I live saying God is good? It's by trusting him. It's by finding in him my help. It's in looking to him and, and having my hope in him. So the song starts and he says, praise ye the Lord. Now I want you to know that this isn't just something you do outwardly. It's something you need to do as well in your actions with your voice, but it's something you need to do with your actions. And you need to learn to praise the Lord. And he begins this section by saying, Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. You know what? We trust people way too much. I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but we do. We trust people way too much. Um, sometimes it's, it's easy to trust those in authority or powerful people, princes that he talks about here, or men. And, but here's the truth that he brings out in this passage. You know, trust in men is not a guarantee of success. It's not a guarantee of safety. It's not a guarantee of deliverance. I don't care who you talk to. I don't care if you've even talked to the President of the United States who said, I will do something about your condition, I promise. Okay? The truth of the matter is, men are only as good as, well, as they still have breath. You look at verse 4, and he tells you why, why there is no help in man. His breath goes forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. And here's the idea. People can make you promises, but people die. Oh, that's really nice, isn't it? But the point is that people are limited. Uh, look, have you ever, I've, I've seen it. Have you seen a movie where, uh, you know, like some, some kid is in a crisis or whatever, and the parent um, just holds the child close and says, I will always protect you. You can count on that, you know, or something like that. Or maybe the hero says, 
I will save you. You have my word. Okay, well, look, their word is only as good as their strength or their ability. And there does come a time where, where you know, what the, the hero may come through because that's the way the movie is supposed to go. Although I found that a lot of movies today don't go that way. It's almost the idea is it's like the, the enemy, the bad guy wins in, in, our, in our day and age. But that's another, that's another subject. But the, the, truth of the, ma- the truth of the matter is, although heroes may be able to come through and fulfill their word, the truth is mankind is very limited. And you know that. And that's why God says, look, if your trust is any, anyone, it should not be in the doctor to take care of your medical need. Seriously. That doesn't mean you don't listen to doctors. doesn't mean you don't take any medication. doesn't mean you don't go to a hospital if you got a medical condition. has nothing to do with that. But when you go and you do those things, what he reminds you of is you need to be trusting in someone other than man, men because men are limited. Uh, he, he might be the greatest surgeon in the world. She might be the greatest surgeon in the world in this area that you have an issue and you have a problem in. But I'll tell you this, without God, it doesn't matter how great a physician they are. It doesn't matter how great their talent is. Because the truth is, they are only human beings. And human beings make mistakes. And human beings are not infallible. And human beings are not perfect. And human beings are limited by the strength and the ability that they have. But God is not. And so he starts by saying, look, I want to give you a caution. Don't trust in men. Because men can only help you so far. Because they're just human beings. They're frail just like you are. Trust in God. By the way, in preparation, I thought how many times we trust the word of men as truth. And I know, you know what, I'll get in trouble when I say this. But didn't people trust the word of experts during COVID that masks would end the crisis? Seriously, didn't, didn't, a lot of people, yeah, yeah, or, or um, the vaccines are perfectly safe. And they still tell you that, even though there's empirical evidence to the contrary. Men often trust people when they shouldn't trust people. I, I came across this this week. It's interesting. Mom always told me to brush my teeth and, um, and use toothpaste, you know, not just brush your teeth. It's one of the terrible things as a kid, I had to use toothpaste. Well, I took her word for it. Toothpaste was safe. It was good. So someone wrote, and they said, what's in toothpaste, and how does it work? And they said, it's amazing what people will put in their mouths. Come on, admit it. You've never read the label on the stuff you use on a daily basis, have you? Okay, a few of you have. But probably a number of you haven't. Now you're going to go home and do that. And they asked the question, how did you come to such a high trust level? And they they shared this. I thought it was great. Whatever is in your toothpaste, it has to be better than what 19th century tooth powder contained. It had porcelain, smashed coral, cuttlefish bone. How does that strike you? Their purpose was to serve as an abrasive to scrub foreign particles from teeth. But you know what uh, toothpaste has today? Silica. Chalk, aluminum oxide, which is also found in cement. Yeah, you hadn't thought about that. The foam, you know, the foam comes from detergent. 
And then they have substances to color the mix. Some improve the taste and consistency. There's things to keep your friendly dentist at bay. There are whiteners. What are, what's in that? And you have toothpaste. But I never, as a teenager, took the tube and read it and said, Mom, why did you tell me to do this? But we, we take people's word for it. Isn't it amazing how we trust people with this stuff all the time? Really, we do. We trust people. But what's sad, and here's the challenge in this passage, is, is a lot of times we trust in men, but we won't put the same trust in God, who actually is worthy of trust, and men often aren't. I mean, how many times have you been lied to? How many times have people not kept their word when they said they would do something? And yet we still trust men. Now, I'm not telling you to doubt everything, and I'm not telling you to go home and read your toothpaste tube and throw it all out and never eat toothpaste again, because I'd get in trouble with every mom in this room. And we're not about to do that on Family Matter and everything else. We're not about to do that. But what I will say is this. It's, it's amazing how often we just trust the word of men trust God we don't and that's the challenge of these verses as he comes and he's going to talk about help and hope um, he begins that section by saying trust in God in fact he says it this way as he gets into verse 5 then happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help whose hope is in the Lord his God now we also find it interesting say well, you find a lot of interesting things in this passage. It's true. I found it interesting that he would talk about praising God, and then he would start talking about trust. I also found it interesting that he would talk about trust, and then he would never mention trust when he says, happy is the man. So why doesn't he do that? Because what trust is, is looking to God to be your help and to be your hope. So he says, hey, look, trust in God. What does it mean to trust in God? Well, I'll tell you something. You will be a happy person. If you'll find your help in God, if you'll find your hope in God. And that's what, it, that's what it means to trust, at least in this passage, because he just got done saying, trust in the Lord. Don't trust in men, because men will fail you, and men only are limited in their ability. They're going to die someday, and when their breath is gone, they can't keep any word that they have promised to you. But you trust in God because God ever lives, and because God is able, and because God is a great God. And I want you to know what trusting God means. It means that you look to God and you are trusting in God. Happy is the man that hath the God of Jacob for his help. You're looking to God for help. It means to aid. Actually, the word means to surround. I love it. It says, I'm looking to God to surround me with his protection and his care. And I'm doing that all the time. And that's what God asks of me in this, in this verse. When I memorize this verse saying, happy is the man, I need to understand that truly I am going to be a happy person when I'm looking to God to be my protection, to be my help, to be my aid, to be the one who surrounds me with care. And I'm not looking to anyone else to be my protector. I'm looking to God. And that's what it means to trust. I am totally dependent on you, Lord God. I understand that, hey, look, there's nothing wrong with, with having a gun in my house. There's nothing wrong, and it's a good thing to lock the doors in my vehicle. And if I'm in some bad section of town, you know, when I'm driving down the road, to lock the, the car doors. Yeah, there's fine things to do, but I need to be looking to God to be my help, to be my aid, to be my protector, to be the one that surrounds me with care. So that, yes, I'm going to, because I'm going to use my, my sense, and I'm going to lock my doors. I understand that a locked door isn't going to protect me if God doesn't protect me. 
and I understand that, that I can have all the safety features in my car, but I'm dead if God doesn't protect me when I drive. <laughs> you know that when I drive. <laughs> and when some of you drive, the same thing would be the case. So trusting means that I am looking to God all the time to be my help. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to be a happy person when I do that. Now, he says, happy is he that hath the God of Jacob. Do you find it interesting? Here we go again. That he would say the God of Jacob. You don't find that a lot in the Bible. Why would he bring out Jacob? I think because as you look in the, the Old Testament, you look at the life of Jacob. Jacob needed God to be his help. In fact, what was Jacob doing when he went to and ended up with Laban in another country? You know what he was doing? He was running for his life. You know why? Because he had just stolen the birthright from his brother. And his brother, just a loving family, was planning to kill him when his dad died. So Jacob was running for his life. And as he was running for his life, he prays and he talks to God. And he says, God, if you'll bring me back home, I will give tithes to you. Do you know what he did when he came back home? First thing he did. He gave tithes to God because he was looking to God to be his help. And he spent, what, 14 years? More than that. With, with Laban, who kept trying to steal from him and, and take from him, he needed God's help. He needed God's help. It's interesting. He runs for his life, and then he has to fight for his life as he's in another land. And this, this God of Jacob was his help with Esau. His God, the God of Jacob was his help with Laban. His God, his God was his help all the way around. And so it's no wonder that David brings that out and he says, look, the happy man is the man like, like Jacob who trusts God and finds that God is able to help him in every situation to surround him with protection so that when he comes back home and Esau and, and many men are coming <laughs> and he's sweating it out, I mean, Jacob was sweating it out. Uh, he, he split up the family. He kept the, kept, he kept the good ones in the back and the ones he didn't care about in the front. <laughs> At least that's how I always read the story. Don't you? So, wouldn't you love to have been all the ones that were sent ahead and the, and the, one that was, and the ones that were put last? You know, the ones that put last, man, they're, they're loved the most or whatever. That was kind of the way it is. But God was his aid. God was his help. And so it's no wonder that he brought out that fact. He says, look, the happy person is the man that, like Jacob, who trusted God to be his help, to be his surround, to be his protection, and found it to be true. The happy man is the one who does the same thing because God still does that today. And that's what's so amazing and beautiful about this passage because God is still in the business of, of being a help. You can trust him. And then he uses the word hope. Notice that, again, he doesn't say trust, but he says whose hope is in the Lord, his God. That means expectation, to watch, expect with patience. I, I know it sounds bad, but I imagine hope like a dog looking intently to his master in, tits, in anticipation of a treat. And I've seen enough videos, I've seen enough pictures of it, and I've seen it in, in real life. You know, the dog starts to drool, but the dog just, just looks at his master and doesn't take his eyes off his master as long as the master, well, has the treat right there and he knows that he's got it. And he's just looking expectantly. 
and he believes, although it may not be true, but he believes that his master is a kind master, and his master is going to give him that treat, and so he just looks intently, and he waits patiently, and if the master says, you know, sit down, or if the master says beg, or if the master says do, he does it because his idea is, I'm just waiting patiently, he will give it to me. She will give it to me if I just wait long enough. Now, you're not a dog, I know that. But that's what I picture when I think of the word hope because it does mean to wait expectantly, to wait patiently, if you would, to look longingly in expectation. And though it's not a great illustration because it makes us look like dogs, it does give us at least a picture in mind, doesn't it? what God desires of me. He wants me to hope in him. He wants me to look to him for what I need in life and to wait expectantly, trusting that God will meet the need, that God will do what he said. That is what a Christian is supposed to do, trust in the Lord. So it's a wonderful confession. Happy is the one who trusts God to surround him with care and take care of his needs. Happy is the one who looks to God, believing what God has said in his word, and waits patiently, expectantly for God to do exactly what he said because you're going to be happy because God always keeps his word. God cannot lie. Aren't you glad about that? And you can count on him to always keep his word. Now, what happens in the next uh, number of verses is uh, I called it the perfections or that which makes hope and help worthwhile in God. See, the expectation uh, the, the, um, that, that um, as he talks about having your hope and help in God is worth doing because of who God is. And it really starts, ultimately, I, I thought we'd start in verse 6, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is. That verse you're also learning, okay? Which is only part of it, but it starts to remind us, at least, of the reason why hope and trust and finding your help in God is worthwhile. But I want you to understand that he begins by sharing with us his attributes. So when we talk about the perfection of perfections of God, that make hope and trust in him and finding our help in him worthwhile, we have to consider, first of all, his attributes. And those are found in verses, we'll just say verses 5 and 6. Notice, whose help, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Two different words for God, and they are very important words. And we're not going to spend a lot of time with them because tonight in Exodus 34, the passage you read this week, because I encouraged you to do that last week, And I know you would do it. I'm trusting you to do it. And if you haven't done it, you need to read chapter 34 this afternoon. Because we're going to actually find these titles and names of God given. But they're great. It's um, Jehovah Elohim. Jehovah means the self-existent one. You say, Someone's a self-made man. No one's a self-made man or woman. No one. No one. See, the, the truth is, um, you and I are dependent upon someone for life. Um, if, if God didn't exist, you wouldn't exist. 
If God wasn't, you wouldn't be. But God needs no one. He is the self-existent one. It also means he's the eternal one. So he always has been, and, and that makes sense. He always would be because he doesn't need anything to exist. He is. I can't explain that one. It blows my mind. It boggles my mind. It hurts, but it's true. He is Jehovah, the eternally self-existent God. That's why you can hope. And that's why you should find your help in him. Because he doesn't need anyone, but he's got all power to meet your need because he's not only Elohim, I mean, he's not only Jehovah, but he's Elohim, which is the supreme God, the God of gods. There is no God other than God. He is the God, the supreme God, the one who has all power and all ability. And that is the foundation upon which trust is based. In fact, that should be the foundation of why we praise God, because of who he is. So he is the Lord. He's God. He's Jehovah Elohim, the eternal, self-existent, supreme God. There's none greater than he. There's nothing in, in life greater than he is. He's able to take care of you and ever meet your needs. Um, and then look at the end of verse 6, because here's another attribute. He keepeth truth forever. God keeps truth forever. Very simply, guard, God guards truth all the time. In other words, he's true to his word. God says it, he keeps his word. He, keeps, he stays true to it, and he ever stays true to his word. And he will continue to do so as long as he exists. Now, let me ask you something. Have you kept every promise you've ever made to people? Anyone here raise your hand saying, I've done that? We'll call you a liar. Okay. You haven't. The truth is, we haven't all kept our promises to people in every area and in every way. But the truth of Scripture is that God always has all the time, every time. He's never failed. Get this. 2,000 years ago, he wrote in Scripture, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And for 2,000 years, God has kept that promise. Anyone that's called on the name of the Lord is saved. I don't know about you, but I know no one that's ever kept their promise for 2,000 years. In just that one area. But it's true. And here's, if, if the world continues to exist for another 2,000 years, can't believe that could actually happen, but if it does, 2,000 years from now, someone will be able to read that verse and call in the name of the Lord, and get this, God would save them. Does anyone find that amazing? It really is. Something as simple as, I will save all who call upon me, is what God does. Because God said he would do it, and God keeps his word. He keeps truth, and he doesn't just keep truth this week or next week or for a couple years or for a thousand years or for five thousand years. He keeps truth forever. So you can always count on what God has said in his word to be true. Because he's always kept truth. He will continue to keep truth. And, and that is God's character. This beautiful thing. Consider his ability. Look in verse 6. He made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all that therein is. Um, 
that's an amazing thing. He consider his ability. God made the world. You made any trees lately? You made any people lately? Yeah, you know, artificial intelligence. We're going to be able to make people. Uh, not, not by the word of mouth. God spoke the worlds into existence. helping me trust in me consider his ability consider his actions we don't even have time to do this justice but again in exodus chapter 34 you're going to be see some of that so read it this afternoon but here we have a list that has a number of these things he executes judgment for the oppressed aren't you thankful for that he gives food to the hungry he looseth the prisoners how many times do we find that in the Bible? The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. Jesus did that, didn't he? And those that are spiritually blind, he still opens eyes today. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. He preserves strangers. He relieves the fatherless and widow. The way of the wicked, though, both positive and negative, he turneth upside down. God takes care of doing that which is good and best and right. And Wow, consider his actions. These actions all say, trust in me. Verse 10 ends with, the Lord shall reign forever, even thy God. 2,000 years ago, an angel sent from heaven around that time and made a promise to a young lady. You know what the promise is? was? Listen to it. And behold, sounds like Christmas. We have Thanksgiving and Christmas all wrapped up in one. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And there is a sense in which he accomplished that. But there is a sense in which it still isn't yet accomplished. But it will be there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of God the Father. There's coming a day when God will rule and reign on this earth, and then he will rule and reign forever. And all of these verses remind me that I need to praise God, but they all remind me that I need to trust God and find my help in God and find my hope in God. You see... The psalm is clear that praise is not only done with this, but praise is done by how I live and how I act. So the point is, first, God is to be praised with your lips. Hallelujah! Just wanted to wake you up. But God is to be praised with your life. Tomorrow morning, when you get up and read your Bible, and you should if you're a Christian, when you read your Bible, if you see something that isn't you haven't been following, you haven't been doing, that God speaks to your heart about, and he should and he will because God speaks to his children and helps them to learn truth because the scriptures are profitable. When you learn something, when you see something, then what God wants you to do is trust in him. Take him at his word. 
live in light of that truth, put it into practice. And when you do that, listen to me, when you do that, you are praising God. You are. Because you're saying, I believe that you are the God that I read about in the Bible. And that what you say is true. And I'm going to keep your word, and I'm going to look to you for help, and I'm going to look to you, and I'm going to keep my hope in you. I'm going to trust in you, God, because I'm not just going to praise you with my words and say, God's good, but I'm going to praise you with my life living. What you have promised in obeying and trusting God to be who he truly is. And is it any wonder then the psalmist would say, happy is the man that has his hope and his help in God. You know why you'll be happy? Because... Because God will be your help and God will fulfill the hope that you're putting in him. Can't help but be happy because he does not fail. And that is the truth of the psalm and the verses you are memorizing that you need to live in light of. And I hope you will because I seek to do the same in my life. Let's bow our heads and pray for happy is the man that finds his help in God, that finds his hope in God. It's all couched in this matter of praising God. So the question this morning is not, would you say God is good or hallelujah or praise the Lord verbally? But the question is, will you, will you praise him in your activity?